Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson, and Brian Smith joins the program now. He's on staff with Athletes in Action, working at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, as well as working as the director of social media for AIA. He's written a terrific book. It's called The Assist, A Gospel-Centered Guide to Glorifying God Through Sports. Brian, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Thanks for having me, Rick. Appreciate it. I've got to tell you, I thought the book was wonderful. Not only have I highlighted portions of many of the pages, but after reading it myself, I bought a copy for the, each of the guys in my small group study as they all have roles in athletics. I, I mean, really, congratulations on writing a well-thought work. Thanks. I had a blast putting it together. It was really fun for me. You detail the moment in the book, but would you share with our listeners the motivation for it after you saw it in an interview? The likes of which we've all seen. That's the thing about this. We've all seen this. The athlete says, first and foremost, I just want to give the glory to God. But then there's typically more, isn't there? Yeah. And so in the specific interview you're referring to, the the athlete made the comment, all thanks, I want to give all glory to God. And then the follow-up question to that interview um, was about his name not getting recognized the whole week before the game. And so he answered the question along the lines of, yeah, everyone was talking about my teammate, and I thought after this game, everybody's going to know who I am. And so the the disconnect for me between all glory to God, the first answer, and then the second one, within seconds, I want people to know my name, really struck something within me and kind of set me on this journey of, man, I, I wonder what it actually means to glorify God through sports. Is it something that we just are using cliched phrases because it sounds right, or, or is there something more there. And so, you know, people, people write books either because they're an expert on the subject or because they're not, and they want to learn more about it. And I'm, I'm definitely in the latter category. I am not an expert. I just was super curious on what it looked like to glorify God through sports. And so I, like, I don't want to be a curmudgeon or come across as the glory police. That's not me at all. But, but I do feel like we need to take the word of God and the idea of God's glory seriously, because God does. So again, like I don't, I don't want to assume ever that athletes don't take it seriously, but I think there's a few things we need to keep in the back of our minds when we consider what it actually means to bring glory to God in the midst of competition or, or just in sports in general. And so, I mean, we could turn this topic into the entire podcast, but I'll just give you two reasons why I think this is really important to talk about. Uh, one is that that phrase, all glory to God, is overwhelmingly used after a win or an elite performance, and we rarely if ever hear it after loss. And so I think when we when we consistently make this connection between winning and God getting glory, we can easily make the leap to believing that's primarily what pleases God is, is the win or the elite performance. And the, the problem with this connection is actually the Bible. The Bible consistently shows that God gets glory through our, our pain, loss, and suffering, and then in the midst of that pain of still proclaiming, God, I trust you, you are, you are enough in the midst of this. And then Two, the phrase kind of assumes that what we're giving to God or what primarily glorifies him is the actual performance. And I, I think I think he is glorified through that. But if you look again throughout Scripture, and we can look specifically at 1 Samuel 16 when, um, when we're seeing the next king being chosen and uh, Samuel's looking for the king and God says, man, man looks at the outward appearance and the Lord looks at the heart. So we see right there, like God is, Yes, God sees outward appearance, but primarily what he's after 
is the heart. And so th- those are two reasons why I think it's super important that we need to have conversations like this. And ultimately, why I wrote the book, too. You and I are on the same page in feeling as though a lot of the time, phrases such as all glory to God are, as you say, nothing more than a Christian way of saying thank you for the compliment. So I guess a million-dollar question is, for the Christian athlete who wants to utilize their platform in the right way, what can they say or or how can they say it to best ensure that it's God who gets the glory for their performance? Yeah, I, I would love to see a few examples of this. Um, I think we need to give our audience more than just the cliche phrase for sure. But But if I'm watching and I hear an athlete say after a win something like this, um, you know, I, I want to thank God for this opportunity to experience a moment like this. I, I recognize not everybody gets to play in an arena like this in front of thousands of fans. And on top of that, to win and play is is amazing. And so I'm grateful that God allowed me to play how I did today and experience this moment. And I hope how I played honored him. And so if I hear that, it, it piques my curiosity, but it also helps me see gratefulness and humility within that athlete. And for a loss, I would love to hear something like, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I worked hard for this, but I ultimately trust God's plan, win or lose. So in hard times and good times, he is still good. So even though the scoreboard didn't turn out our, in our favor today, I still hope my play glorified and honored him. So I, I would love to just hear even, even a phrase like, I hope how I played today honored God, instead of just this declaration of, I want to give all glory to God, because that's, that's good, but I think there's a, an added bit of humility that comes when you're, you're hopeful that it did and not just declaring that mm. 100% it did. We're talking with Brian Smith, author of the book The Assist. It's available through Amazon or vi- by visiting his website, theassistbook.com. You can also follow Brian on Twitter, at AIA. I work in sports ministry, as you do, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but many people I talk to within sports ministry, they feel as though— much of the time, sports are dismissed within Christian circles because there's so many other areas which are considered to be higher importance or a higher priority. But for the Christian athlete to value the platform they have through sports, they have to believe that God truly cares about their sport, to which I ask you, does he? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the million-dollar question, right? And it, it's a question that comes up all the time. And I think we need to start with a posture um, of— answering this honestly. And that's, I'm not sure. And and I start with that because I think we need to show caution really on declaring what God thinks or feels about something when scripture is silent on it. And so the the, the Bible doesn't say God cares deeply about sports. The Bible doesn't really talk about sports. And so like there is some caution that needs to be taken when answering a question like this, but, but I do think we can look at the Bible and make a pretty good argument that he does in fact care. So let me, let me do that really quick. One, one of the verses I would point to is Luke 12, 6 and 7. Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are, are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And so in terms of God prioritizing what is significant and insignificant, he says in Luke 12 that the sparrows are significant enough for him that he's paying attention to them. And then one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, actually two chapters, is Job 38 and 39. And so God God kind of comes after Job, and he kind of pulls back the curtain and helps Job see everything that's going—not everything, but a lot of things that are going on in the universe 
that Job has no idea that God is sovereign over. And he's talking about the the goats and the the snow and just just the intricate details of his creation that he is completely in control over. Um, and so he, he's showing he he is not indifferent to anything that goes on in his universe in Job 38 and 39. That's really a reflection of a, a great quote, which I share in the book from Abraham Piper, who says that there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign of all, does not cry out, mine. And so I think to, to have a position of thinking God doesn't care about sports seemingly because he has more important things to care about means you also have to believe that there's many other things in life that God is indifferent to in our lives. And so when you have a, a theology like that, where you, you're able to divorce God from the things going on in your life because you think he doesn't care, I think you're left with a, a distant God who is at best impersonal and at worst completely unaware of what's taking place if it's in his creation because he doesn't care about seemingly lesser things. And so the, the Bible paints the exact opposite picture for us. We see an extremely relational God who knows the, the deep, intricate parts of us, and we also see a God who cares about things beyond our wild competition. So against the backdrop of that, obviously we can go into that more and more, I think we have to say God cares about sports because he, he cares about everything that's going on in his universe. And sports right now, with millions of people, we'll see hundreds of millions of people watching the Super Bowl, like all eyes are focused on one field. And I would hope God would be, God would be interested in, well, not interested because he's sovereign over everything. He knows what's going on. But to say he doesn't care about that, I think paints a picture of a God that really, I don't, I don't know if I want to worship a God who's indifferent to seemingly minor things in the universe. Mm, great point. I, and I agree with you. I love working in sports because you tend to see people as they really are. Since sports bring such a range of emotions to the, to the surface, we see how people handle success, how they handle failure, frustration, so on. In my mind, the idea that the Christian athlete has to remain emotionless is a misconception. So let me ask you, Brian, is it okay for the believer to feel frustrated during a slump or disappointed after a loss? <laughs> Absolutely it is. Uh, God gave us emotions. He gave us desires. He gave us discipline and skill and work ethic. So if I work really hard at something and expect a certain outcome and hope for a certain outcome and I don't get it, it's, it's really within my created nature to be frustrated. Now, Obviously, there comes a point when frustration could lead to sin or even reveal idolatry in my life. Um, but, but in the moments after a loss, I would hope that an athlete who's worked really, really hard for something and wants to glorify God through their effort and performance would be, would be a little upset about that. And so we could, we could even look at the opposite example of this and ask, is it okay for an athlete to celebrate and experience happiness after a win if we go to the other end of the spectrum? And I, I give this quote again in my book from C.S. Lewis. I love this one. Um, he says, I think we, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And I, I love that. The, mm. the delight is incomplete until it is expressed. And so we We'll see this in March Madness in a, a couple months here. Uh, I, I picture this in my head off, 
often whenever March comes around, like the the buzzer beater that happens where a team wins the game and everybody rushes onto the court and, and celebrates. And that's, that's expected and normal. But, but what if we saw that same buzzer beater, the team wins, and there's no celebrated, there's no celebration, almost like robots. They walk the sideline, shake the hand of the opponent, and then emotionless walk out and, and head back to the locker room. Like something would feel missing from that scene. And so I think that the celebration completes the experience in the same way that the feeling of disappointment or frustration helps us complete the experience of unmet, taste, unmet expectations following a loss. We're talking with Brian Smith, author of the book, The Assist. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Smith AIA. In the book, Brian, you feature chapters which cover glorifying God through a number of aspects of an athlete's life, whether that be winning, losing, practicing, injuries, coaches, etc. And one area that you talked about was teammates. And in full disclosure, I was convicted when you addressed the question, what if I honestly don't like them? And I suspect many athletes listening to this program, as I have, and probably you have, we've all dealt with someone who found favor with the coach despite not working as hard. That's real life right there. How does the Christian athlete handle teammates who, for whatever reason, they just don't really like that much? <laughs> yeah, so, so I think we need to start with this. It is it's perfectly normal to have teammates that you di- you don't get along with. God created us really with a plethora of different personalities and skill sets, and he created us to naturally be drawn to certain people and honestly uh, annoyed by, by other people. Uh, but, but you can still love people who you don't really like. And, and really, as a Christ follower, we're actually commanded to do that. So we're not off the hook. So for me, I need to consistently remind myself of 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Um, Paul's talking about from now on, we, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. And just this idea that everybody is made in the image of God. Everybody has an eternal soul. And so, so against that backdrop, there's a, a couple of really practical things I think athletes can do for the teammates that, that they just don't get along with for whatever reason. I think one, they can, they can pray for them. Uh, we, we read in Matthew 5, 44, Jesus is saying to his followers, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I, I never want to put teammates in the category of being an enemy, but the, the principle of what Jesus is saying is that there's some people that are going to rub you the wrong way or be against you. Um, that, and it's going to be hard to love those people. And those are the people that you still need to, to pray for. And so I, I think it is really healthy to pray for those teammates that you may just not get along with. I think in the end, it might be more for your heart than it it does for theirs. Two, I think you can pray for yourself. This is something I I need to do all the time for, for the people that I don't get along with. I need to, to continually check myself and say, God, God, what is it about this person that is rubbing me the wrong way? What are you trying to reveal about my heart and my insecurities and not the gaps in my life that I'm not aware of through this, this person. So praying that God would soften my heart towards the teammate, that he would give me patience, compassion, the ability, really the ability to see through my teammates' eyes too. That's a good one. Like I, ne- I never want to be stubborn to think that my way is the best way. I'm sometimes just asking that God would give me a, a unique ability to see things from their perspective and even view them through their strengths instead of their weaknesses. Oh, that's such a good one too. 
it's so easy to view people through their shortcomings. What if we would ask God to view people through their strengths? Um, what could he do in our lives? What could he do in their lives? And then the, the last one, I, I give, I think, five in the book, but my last one for this podcast is just to encourage them. So, so move into that awkward space of the, the person that you may not get along with and find something that they did well in practice or they did well in the game or something that something they said to a teammate that was encouraging and just find a way to affirm them and, and speak life into them. And again, that God may do something amazing in their life through your relationship, but I think at the end of the day, God is asking us to continually die to ourselves and surrender to our own self-will. And that's just a really practical way we can do that is to move towards teammates that maybe are not like us and that we don't get along with. That's a great reminder. Ultimately, regardless of how good someone is or what level of success they ultimately achieve, real joy is never sustained by an athletic competition featuring both wins and losses. So what advice would you give an athlete who is on that roller coaster ride, who is taking too much out of a win and maybe beating themselves up too much because of a loss? Yeah, this is going to sound overly simplistic, and I never want to give simple answers to, to the complex question, but I'm going to, I'm going to start there. I, I would tell an athlete who's in this position that they need to read their Bible every single day, read their Bible. And I think what that does is you begin to see that the, the Bible is not just a, it's not just about you. It's actually a story about God redeeming the world back to himself. And I, I think when you can get that wide angled lens and see what God is doing uh, throughout history um, and today, it it allows you to get needed perspective. And so I think when when we're going through the the plateau and the pits of sport, what can can kind of pull us back to ground zero on both of those is understanding that God is up to something in this world. He's drawing people to Himself, and in the turn or in the in the grand scheme of eternity. Like that, that is most important. So I think the Bible gives us much needed perspective that in those moments, I think we'll draw us back to what, what God wants our reality to be. Once again, Brian Smith joins us here on the Beyond the Game program. Would you be willing, Brian, to share with us how you first identified a need for a Savior in your life and turned to Jesus? Yeah, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I grew up going to, to church. And I, I remember when I was 12, I went to, it's called is called Pine Ridge Bible Camp. And I don't exactly remember what the, the speaker said, but I, I know the gospel was presented. And I do remember one of the first things that came to my head was I, I want to spend eternity in the good place and, and not the bad place. And so I, I prayed the prayer and met with a counselor afterwards. And it was really like that was the, the genesis, kind of the beginning of my salvation. And then from there, continued church involvement and really learning that the the true meaning of the gospel is not just you get to go to heaven with God. It's the fact that I, I was a sinner separated from God. And that decision that I made when I was 12 was agreeing that Jesus lived the perfect life that I could not live, that Jesus stepped in my place on the cross and defeated the power of death by, by raising from the grave and that his life, death and resurrection allowed me to have right standing with God if I believed in that. And so that, that for me, as I continue to get older and mature and really wrap my head around that, like I tell people all the time, I, I was saved when I was 12, but I think it was probably when I was 
20 or 21 or 22 when I really, really realized the decision I made uh, and the implications of it. Your book, Brian, is available through Amazon. Is that your preferred method for listeners to get their hands on your book? Yeah, that's that's the easiest way. If people just go into Amazon and type in the assist, it, it's one of the first ones that comes up. All right. Before we let you go, how, how can we pray for you? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I, so I, I write a lot. Um, I'm working on a second edition right now of the assist. Um, and I have an ask out there to, I don't want to give his name, so I don't want to put public pressure on him, but I have a, an ask out there to a pretty high profile athlete who I think if he would say yes and write the forward, it would, it would launch it to more people around the, the U S and around the world in ways that, that I could not do on my own. And so I, I got into sports ministry because I really believed in the platform of sport that in a society where we're looking up to athletes as heroes, we, we truly need to find athletes who are surrendering their lives to, to Jesus and leading the way in that you know, for us and for our kids. And I, yeah, I believe that today. And I'm really hoping this athlete who has an incredible platform would, would say yes and trusting that if he does, God would do some, really cool things to the second edition. So if you could pray that he would finish reading it and say yes, and then you can all know who it is. All right. Well, we'll pray towards that end. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. I wish you continued success with your book and with your work with AIA. I appreciate you, Rick. Thank you. That's Brian Smith. In addition to working with Athletes in Action, he's written this book, The Assist, A Gospel-Centered Guide to Glorifying God Through Athletics. If you're a Christian athlete, I highly recommend picking up a copy and giving it a read. You can get it on Amazon. You can follow Brian on Twitter, at BrianSmithAIA, or you can visit his website, TheAssistBook.com. Thanks so much to you for tuning in. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program.